Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The 1099. As always, I am your host, Joseph Noop, and I am so glad you're here with us again. And uh, I have had quite the week uh, shirking my responsibilities playing (laughs) a little game called Art of Rally, uh, developed in part by uh, one Dune Kazoo. Uh, Dune, how are you, man? Oh, doing good. Um, (laughs) just, Just trying to... Move life in a chill way. Not to get, not to get like the busyness uh, override everything. I guess. <laughs> no, yeah, I, uh, it, we're all kind of reaching that peak where, like, it's what is it? It's March tenth right now that we're recording this, and this will go up like the following Monday. So I actually just today got my COVID vaccination scheduled for like mid April. Awesome. Uh, Cause like, that's how long, of course it's, it's taking everybody to get in and there's shortages and whatnot, but yeah. How have you, uh, where are you located and how are you getting by? Um, so I'm in a little mountain town in British Columbia, Canada called Nelson. So it's about a oh. seven hour drive East of Vancouver. Ooh, man. So that's, that's, uh, it's kind of like Canada. There's, there's not so much in the middle (laughs) there, is there? It's Vancouver, Ontario, uh, trying to think what else I, I know Vancouver. What's that? Yeah. Quebec and then the Maritimes. Quebec. Yes. Uh, interesting. I, I didn't realize you were up in Canada, but yeah, man, it is, uh, we discussed a little earlier, I am so, so angry at you uh, and the team behind Art of Rally, uh, this wonderful rally racing game with like a low polygonal style. Uh, I I have been shirking my responsibilities at IGN in order to play more of this game. Uh, I'm playing a particularly bad roguelike and anytime I get sick of it, uh, I am just saying, you know what? I should play two hours of Art of Rally and just cruise through that so uh it is an honor to chat with you and learn a little bit about uh you know the experience of making the game and kind of your love of rally racing and actually you know a good place to start off would be uh when we were setting this up you actually mentioned that the uh i think it was like the 2016 vice article i had written about uh living in uh, game developers who live in vans and boats and basically are doing the the digital nomad thing uh that you read that article and it you know was one of many things i'm sure that kind of like influenced you to take that up but uh, let's just start from the beginning. You're, are you originally from Canada and uh, uh, wh- where did you grow up? Um, yeah, born and raised in Vancouver. Um, pretty close to the mountain. There's a mountain called Mount Seymour. So I just grew up at the bottom of it. Um, so so definitely like firmly like a, a rural area, huh? Um, no, it's in the city. So um, maybe it's like a suburb of Vancouver called North Vancouver. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so just a little more sleepy with lots of lots of outdoors and nature and stuff. So that's why I really like it. Yeah, there's there's a bit of now that I think about it, there is kind of like a, a feel of Canadian wilderness kind of coming through the game, especially when you go through dense forest areas and, and <laughs> yeah, and, and Finland's and um, that that uh, incorporating the European side of rally racing in there and also the Asian side. Uh, what a Tell me a little bit about like, were you always a like racing kid, a kid interested in racing? Like when, when was the first time you heard about rally racing? Let me see. It was probably the Colin McRae games or grid. Like honestly in Canada, especially where we are in West coast of Canada, there's not much historical rally that has happened. Most of the historical rally has, has been in the East coast. Um, like Ontario and stuff. So I don't know. And then there's not much racing and stuff here. I think we saw some indie cars when I was, when I was a kid, but I don't know. It's mostly just video games, just being exposed to it through video games. Yeah. And I, I, same for me. Like I, I grew up in a suburb of like South Chicago area, mm-hmm. like no, no racing scene, of course, for like a hundred miles. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think the, the dirt games, it was actually like, it might've been dirt rally two. Uh, which was I lucked into a, a free Oculus account, so I was just like, "Download this, yes, please," and 
very slowly like came to kind of, I, I was raised as like an indie car kid. My, mm-hmm. my parents would love to take us to indie races and in, in Indianapolis and uh, such, but like stuff like that never really appealed to me because I don't know, like, of course, you know, the track is an oval and like, yes, there's an art, there, there's an artistry to it. Uh, I can see the appeal, but it didn't appeal to me. So, uh, was it, so was it kind of like when you first played a rally game, whether it was the Colin McRae stuff or, uh, grid, was it kind of like a surprise to you of how different those games feel compared to arcade racers or or Gran Turismo's and Forza and all that? Um, well, so growing up, I, I, did, I think the only console I had was Super Nintendo, and then the rest of the game I did at home was on a PC. But I did go to friends' yeah. houses and play, like, uh, Xbox and PlayStation and stuff. But I think for me, the actual rally games you played were, um, like, Colin McRae Rally, uh, maybe, like, one and two. I think I think three or is it called two thousand and two? Um, in like the mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands. Yeah, and so like, were, were you, was it kind of uh, the t- the steep learning curve of uh, learning how to play this in a much more deliberate uh, rally style way? Because I think that that's what most people when they first play a game like this or or engage in rally racing mm-hmm. culture is they're like oh it's not necessarily like yes you do want to be the fastest but also there's a grace to it to turning a corner and dealing with gravel or dirt as opposed to a uh manicured indy 500 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the only the only people sweeping out there are going to be the farmers you're driving yeah. by yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it was just brutal. Like my first time trying, I think I must have just booted up like Colin McRae, um, went into career mode. Luckily they put you in the slower cars. So I think just trying to throw around like a Mini Cooper, um, first with a keyboard, that was not so nice. And I had a, an old Sidewinder, like Microsoft Sidewinder, Sidewinder joystick for flying mm. games. Cause I used to play a lot of flying <laughs> games. So it worked really well for rally actually. So I just remember running it and then like the trigger was the throttle and i think when the joystick buttons with your thumb was the brake like, it was totally weird <laughs> <laughs> i i like i'm just imagining like inverted y-axis or axis rally racing uh, <laughs> just like what a nightmare that might have been <laughs> i mean it was pretty simple just left to go left right to go right like it, the joystick is pretty basic didn't have a rudder or anything right right it was just a challenge it was kind of exhilarating like once you can start to master a car and get through a stage and like just nurse a car that's really damaged and turning like turning super to the left. So you're basically just trying to nurse this mangled car through the stage. And um, even to just get a somewhat decent, decent ranking with the AI there was very, um, very appealing and sounds mm. I, I I think that's an aspect of, art of rally that i appreciate too is that at least like on normal difficulty like it's allowing me to progress through the game even even though like i'm plenty of you know crashes and uh stumbling along the way like i i do feel myself getting better but uh it's allowing me to partake in the history of the game as well but before we dive into that i would love to hear more too about um you uh, did you get into uh, did, like actual game design first, or were you more interested in pursuing actual uh, rally racing? Like, what what came first? Oh, definitely just video games. Like, I had no uh, like cars and things are pretty expensive. Yeah, so motorsport <laughs> is just insane. Like, I never I wanted to when I was younger. I just wasn't able to. I, I pretty much just stuck with mountain biking my whole life. Uh, that was that's been my thing. So with cars. Yeah, I, I, I started to dabble a bit after I made absolute, my first game, Absolute Drift. Um, but yeah, this video games, like, went to school for video game um, programming first. What uh, what school did you go to? It's a school called BCIT in Vancouver. It's like a technical school where they, so it's not a university or a college. It's more of a trade school where there's, like, carpenters, nurses, accounting. Mm. More, like, um, applicable applicable skills, if that's right. If that, the right word yeah like like Training uh, for, uh, work, for the workforce i guess interesting so like what uh I, I i'm always fascinated by 
the the college routes of certain game developers and whether or not like you know whether or not they they felt like their education was uh, a meaningful stepping stone and uh you hear of course about like the the glory stories of a school like usc uh where you know people like uh the journey team came from or new york university in their program uh what was it like going to that kind of school and like did it feel like okay i'm 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 really learning game design or was it more of a like nuts and bolts like computer uh technical skills in that way yeah it was more nuts and bolts like it was just training to be a programmer like a low level lower level programmer um with like a smattering of game, game design and art and sound sound design so just basically like mostly focused on like the very <laughs> low level programming things um but we had to learn we did make games with teams and we did learn about the whole process of it but um not as not as like let's say widely um i'm not sure how to say it we didn't have like a super wide range of skills like i think there's also the vfs school in vancouver which is more broad in its knowledge in its teachings um so it like shows you how to get super polished art and sound and stuff like that i it kind of makes sense in a weird way thinking about the types of games that absolute drift and art of rally are is there they have a a very uh defined style um, they're obviously not going for sheer realism. Um, and even though they have like a defined style, the, the feel of the game is very, t- the feel of both games is very tight and uh, uh, it communicates very well what it feels like to execute a perfect drift or to mess up a drift mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the car feel for lack of a better uh, marketing lingo is, is very deliberate. Um, was that something that like uh, you, you think that having a more computer literate as opposed to uh, raw game design um, education, like kind of helped with you along the way, like having a game feel good because of the foundation underneath it? Probably a little bit, I'd say. Like, so for the car physics we use, we, it is like a plugin for Unity that's long dead. Um, but it was like around back when I was trying to actually drift. But we had to just hack it. I had to just hack it a lot to actually feel like control. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess it's subjective. It's just to feel the way it did. So like somewhat active controls and to actually do drifting and sliding. Um, it's just some basic hacks. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're hacks. Just simple things that you do to the car that's not realistic but to make it yeah like game game feel and uh, yeah since i've done that i got to i just learned from talking to other developers at um racing studios that yeah, there's a lot of things under the hood per se that are just <laughs> pretty <laughs> hilarious like a parachute that comes out that's like a for instance it's almost like a parachute comes out of the car to slow the car down on hard braking in a lot of video games mm-hmm um and it, it works and... and and that's why you can like make a hairpin turn and something like burnout as opposed to uh a, a rally game yeah or need for speed as opposed to a rally game where it's like you really need to consider how fast you're going and like what angle and and what kind of surface your front tires and your back tires yeah. are on yeah did you did you know you all did you always know you wanted to um, do racing games or was that kind of something that you figured out along the way? Um, it was pretty random. I think, I think, uh, so if you've heard of, I'm sure you know, Ken Block and his Gymkhana video series. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, basically it just takes his rally cars and just goes like closes down, say like part of San Francisco and does like just jumps and sliding and burnouts everywhere. So there's one, I think it's Gymkhana five where it's set to be like a video game. Um, kind of with like point, like things that you hit for points and stuff. So the whole motif was kind of light gray and red and white barriers. So I just saw that and I was like, that could probably be a cool little game. I've been kind of, I've been playing a lot of Mirror's Edge, which is like super minimalistic. Like oh yeah. The palette is like white with red, bright like reds, reds, uh, blues and yellows and oranges and things like that. And then it just kind of, like I just had to do it. Um, so it was like a game jam, global game jam, um, where I actually made like the really bad prototype for the game. 
mm-hmm. and I just kept working on it um, into like in school as our final project. I kind of appropriated it and took it on. That's awesome. Uh, like, was was that a was that jam a solo project or was that a team? Uh, how'd you do that? Um, it was actually a team in the beginning. There were these. I was with these people who wanted to make a racing game, so I was like, sweet, and I had my idea in the back of my mind. Yeah. And they didn't want to make. I don't know. They wanted to go in a completely different direction, so I had to. Just, mm. I just ditched them the next day and started making my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's selfish, but in hindsight, I was very glad just to do the thing I want to do. You know, sometimes you got to know when to when to cut the cord on a project like that. You yeah. know, like it's uh, you know, no one can blame you for knowing what you want with your, especially like when you're in a formative stage of your career. You know, um, yeah, and you know, I, I I ended up playing a little bit of Absolute Drift as well uh, on because I think it was like Epic's free game. Yeah, for- yeah a while yeah or right it might even still be uh if anyone's interested in checking that out but um yeah like that it was funny playing that first then discovering art of rally and seeing the dna between those two because it almost feels like absolute drift you know they're they're both kind of elevated camera almost almost a top-down kind of thing and absolute drift your it's almost more like street drifting where like the focus is on uh, uh performing maneuvers as opposed to art of rally where you are performing maneuvers but in the service of getting the best rally time yeah exactly yeah and i what was the there was a phrase i read somewhere that i you probably came up with where absolute drift is about this and art of rally is about this what was that do you remember that oh do you remember writing something? <laughs> oh, uh, it's, probably like, it's probably something like absolute drift is about sliding. Sliding? Yes. Art of is about sliding fast. Or going, absolute sliding. going sideways. Art of is going sideways quickly. Sideways fast, <laughs> yes. Uh, with the old adage, uh, a good rally driver has bugs on their side windshield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah so you you made that game jam and like um i guess you know what were the what were like the most important lessons you kind of took away from that experience especially going at it solo Mm -hmm. Uh, i can only imagine that that taught you a lot before you actually uh worked on absolute drift proper uh let me see oh actually we had someone um andrew bowers i think his name is who did who helped with a song um, and some sound effects for the game at that yeah, that game jam. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just to give some credit. But let me see. I guess just trust your trust your gut. That's kind of what I got out of it. Um, the whole premise was like it was like basically a third person camera. Like the the camera was way down, kind of like a traditional racing game camera. Um, so it was a lot different than what it eventually became. But it was just one of the things that I actually had the most fun working on in my life. It's just intrinsically like just fun to keep noodling at and look to look at and to try to just make it make it better, I guess. Yeah, like iterate upon it. Yeah, iterate. And, and yeah. It's always interesting too when you can feel a game developer had some amount of fun making their game right. And it's not it's you know you see that more in indie games of course because it's not it's it's a much more uh unique um uh self-expression as opposed to a hundred person team uh i i got the sense from absolute drift that like oh this person had an idea was like oh shit let's yes let's make the best possible version of this and uh went for it uh which is like the best kind of like self-starter project you can you can think of right yeah oh that's awesome to hear yeah i think i had a lot of fun with it it was i guess it was so long ago that we were actually working on it but at some point you're also going a little crazy too and you just want to put some stuff in the blow off steam and just start laughing (laughs) (laughs) that's you know weirdly enough i i i've said before on the show that um i i got into 3d art in the last year here and making voxel art specifically and i'm starting to do some pixel art uh kind of like miming the original game boy green color palette Mm -hmm. and it's been very interesting to slowly learn the principles of 3d art and rendering and the various softwares you can use and 
just how much like work goes into one thing, but like how also as a creator, I, I get this with my writing too, where it's like, sometimes I'm sick of looking at it and I just want to walk away. But there are other times where I'm like, I don't care if I haven't eaten in 12 hours. I want to make this the absolute perfect thing you know like let me you know it looks good i could probably share this out on twitter and everyone would be like oh hey great job but like i'll know <laughs> i will know that like there's a little mistake here or something like that does that make sense to you <laughs> yeah just be, i guess that's falling into the perfectionist line um yeah definitely <laughs> just like way too much way too long just tweaking some color grading and then having I guess it was okay. I thought it was okay, but then actually the, the whole reference was that it was, I'm still, I was still learning. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of time you can spend if you think it's perfect, but then it might actually, actually still be a, a, bit, a bit off base, at least in my experience. But yeah, when, just like tweaking something for way too long is definitely something that happens a lot. Nice. So what, what then came after, uh, you mentioned that you, uh, lived, <laughs> lived in a van for a time and, and you also went to rally school, uh, rally, like driving school. What, what came first? Um, it was the rally driving school. Tell me, tell me about that. Like what, what possessed you? Like, obviously you have a, a fascination with rally mm -hmm. racing, uh, and maybe driving in general, but uh, actually committing to a school like that is n no small thing, I um, imagine. Well, they went super long. There was just like one of the ones I did driving days was like one day and then another program was three days mm -hmm. um, or maybe four days, but just pretty somewhat shorter. Um, I think when I finished, when I did the first one, it was in New Zealand. I was there kind of just like bumming around. Like I, I brought a mountain bike and was just staying in hostels and taking the bus everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I wonder if there's any rally around here. <laughs> so there was, and I called these guys up and uh, they took me out for a day. Um, it was the sketchiest thing ever though, because they just like, Hey, get in. We're going rally racing. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, so I was staying at this hostel uh, and I called them up and like the whole night, it's like a crazy hostel. So like there's someone just snoring so loud the whole night. So I actually went and slept out in like the living area like on the floor <laughs> just try to get some sleep so like that much sleep and then they came and picked, picked me up in the mitsubishi, mitsubishi evo 3 and an evo 5 so like some xwrc cars that used to loan out to um competitors like the Jap japanese teams that would come in to rent them for the wrc's in new zealand so these mm -hmm. crazy cars um too way too much for a beginner so they just like took us out on this course um just having me go faster and faster and faster but not, I didn't really have a good idea for how, how the car would react if it like breaks traction, goes sideways and stuff. So I had some super sketchy moments almost been in the car a few times. Uh, just, yeah, just pretty wild. So, so it was really casual. Like, you know, it's just a couple of guys, you know, you, you paid them some money and they like gave you some basic pointers and maybe like let you drive around an empty lot or something. No, not an empty lot. Just right on the stage. Like, just start going slow and then go faster and faster and faster. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit sketch. But Wait, awesome. were, you, were you petrified at any moment of like, oh God, I'm, I'm about to put myself into a tree or like off a ditch? Yeah. Like, it was one of the most intense period times. Um, just pure. I don't know, because I didn't really have instinct. Maybe just the instinct I tried to bring from playing racing games and like dirt rally, but I don't know. Right. You're just trying to do your best. Uh, almost hit a couple of trees on the bushes and sliding everywhere. It was a bit, it was a bit wild. <laughs> Racing games are kind of like one of the, the few exceptions where like your video game instincts can in some ways, not always, but some ways translate well enough to the real world experience, especially something more deliberate like rally racing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Call of Duty, you don't know what it's like to fire a gun. <laughs> uh, uh, Assassin's Creed, you don't know what sword play is. Yeah. But but rally racing, like, yeah, you get the idea of like, this car has weight and it's distributed in a particular way. And that means my ass end is going to slide differently than my front. Uh, that That's absolutely crazy. So 
like, w- would you have called that a positive experience in the end? Uh, did it feel like money well spent or was it just kind of like chalked up to um, uh, like, well, that, that happened. Yeah. It was more like that happened. That was pretty insane. <laughs> so <laughs> after that, I think the next season, maybe like six months later, we actually went to Dirtfish Rally School in Washington, America. And that was like, full, that was just like took you from like ground zero, like step one up to as fast as you can push it. So that was like, yeah. that was where I actually got the skills uh, in like a safer, safer, more safe environment and better foundation. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, so it sounds much more structured and official and professional. Uh, what are the kinds of like first things that they teach you at a uh, proper rally school? Um, so it's a bunch of, so in the mornings you have like an hour and a half of classwork. So where they just tell you like what you're going to be learning today, where you're going to be driving, what skills you're going to be practicing. And then you go, so you watch videos and like get pointers on how you do that skill. Let's say like a hand, like a, um, Scandinavian flick. So just like videos on that, how, how you actually use the braking, what you're supposed to do. And then mm-hmm. they take you out in the cars. You're with the driver. He demonstrates, um, he or she demonstrates how, how it's done. And it's all like these big gravel lots and you, like, you just hit cones if you mess up. So like, it's way, <laughs> way more safe and, uh, better to make mistakes. And then after that, you go and you go and actually like try it out. Um, a bunch. Yeah. Uh, so you said that that was like maybe a week or like a few days. A few days. Yeah, it was three days. Three days. I can only like, gosh, I like. It just makes me think of basic high school driving class was like much longer I feel like there was a lot more like granted you're a kid and like you're learning the super basics of how to drive and not kill anybody but uh it's fascinating to me that like I you you could you didn't get a license at the end of this right like there's no there's no rally car license is there um there's a rally America license I think you get a few points to that so that you can actually start entering like once you do enough training or uh, amateur events and you can actually start entering into a rally provided you can get your hands on a car which is another story and yeah what um what were your instructors like because like rally racing itself is attracts a certain breed of people mm-hmm. but uh, uh who, who are the kinds of people like teaching like okay here's how you do a sick drift and and here's how you don't kill anybody and mm-hmm. here's how you like what what a career that must be to take someone to that level um, I think they, they were like super lucky or they felt super like privileged to actually be able to be instructors at that, at Dirtfish because it's just such an awesome job. You just get to drive yeah. cars all day. So like a few, some of them had like moved from cross country. Um, other ones had done amateur racing in the past and then, um, they took their skills to become instructors at the school there. Um, yeah, they were awesome. One had actually played absolute drift. Funnily enough, we were sitting in the car and just talking about something. It turns out you'd played it at a friend's house. Uh, oh, that's awesome. That, that's an interesting thing, too, is like you made Absolute Drift before you had any like formal training mm-hmm. in drift racing. And granted, Absolute Drift is more kind of about, like you said, uh, uh, drifting or, or sliding as opposed to sliding fast. And uh, uh, what did like actually going to rally school teach you uh, in preparation for art of rally? Um, I just wanted to see how the real thing, how, how the real thing is like, let's say just to feel what it should feel like. Right. I think handling is like a huge subject in racing games. Um, and the handling in like art of rally is definitely a bit more different than the real life. Um, some people like it. Some people find it too crazy or unpredictable, which it can sometimes be. Um, but yeah, just to just to play, just to like do the rally school and just be like, okay, like I've just to see people at least like have driven some rally cars, so I'm not completely off base for how they should respond. Also, the way that they actually respond is different than what you think they'd respond to. Like a lot of it is just pressure. So especially on gravel, on like gravel and the wet gravel we were driving on. Tire pressure, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, well, like, wait, I guess weight transferred to the wheels. So, like, mm. actually, like, when you're doing turns, you actually, like, put brake pressure on to weight the outside 
front wheel, and that's what actually starts the turns. It's not just turning. It's not like you're just driving and you just turn the wheel, and then the car always goes. Like that'll happen on tarmac, and if you want, it's really good traction. But yeah, a lot of the turns are just brake, like big brake braking for that weight transfer, so you actually like dig those tires into the into that surface um, to make the turns. It was totally yeah. wild. I had no idea that's how it actually worked. It, it kind of, it kind of mirrors like my own journey in art of rally of, of learning. Like I, I surprised myself. I thought like, okay, I'm totally going to stick with this one car. Mm-hmm. And then like, as the years progress and like the types of cars change, um, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, uh, learning how like, okay, this drifts this way. And like, there's a different, there's a vastly different like weight distribution or, uh, it's, it's faster horsepower means that like, I can take turns a little bit more loosely or tightly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. What, um, so after, after rally school, you, for some ungodly reason, decided to live out of a van, like what, what really made you want to uh do that sort of uh i hate this term but digital nomad life uh to to take on that lifestyle and how how long did you do it um let me see yeah so basically um actually coming into the rally school i was just did a road trip around america um borrowed my parents truck and i was like, yeah oh, first road trips in a while, I guess, just to go visit some friends in uh, Mammoth, California. Um, so yeah, just bit, just basically did a big trip around like Mammoth to Lake Tahoe to Santa Cruz, Seattle. Um, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, I think it'd be cool to do it in a van. It'd just be much more comfortable and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's partially your fault from writing that article. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just doing research on like how if it's possible for people to do um so that was one of the factors and just that was that really showed me that okay you can make you can't make games in a van um that's that's just the wildest thing to me is that like depending on like the scale of something you're making like i, I talked to rami ismail friend of the show no, very noted game developer uh talk to uh, i forget their names but at this point but um uh, a couple who actually like lived out of a boat and like made games on the side, but were more like software programmers and like, you know, just do that from your laptop, I suppose at the yeah. like port. Yeah. I read about that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's wild to think of like how similar to like, I guess what we're doing here today with the pandemic, we're all effectively working from home. Uh, those of us who are lucky enough to, and uh, uh, like my, my day-to-day career isn't like terribly impacted because I'm, I'm freelancing or contracting. I'm, do- I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing, but uh, like a lot of, a lot of game development can get done from a isolated connection like that. Huh? Yeah. I think it's probably good at the time. I wasn't working with too many people like full time or constantly, I guess. So it wasn't like someone was waiting for me to kind of tell them what to do or like report a problem to me. Right. I was still like working with, I guess we worked with a bunch of artists and maybe sound kind of sporadically. Um, but yeah, basically like I could just be there working and nothing's going to break um, outside the company. What, uh, what, did, what did you have in your van? Uh, like bed, kitchen, anything in particular? Um, yeah, so basically um, we... Got it as a shell, like a just a normal cargo van with metal walls, and then just built it up. So I kind of planned out my ideal working situation or like van. Layout, but I had no idea, and I've actually never even been inside another camper van like that before. So just looked on the internet a ton. Um, but yeah, so basically you need like the basics: so a bed to sleep in, um, water, some way of cooking your food, and also a fridge to store the food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I want to make the kind of workspace a priority in there. So we went to Ikea, got a big countertop. I think it's like six, almost six foot long, um, just to check in there. So basically this huge desk, kind of like what I had at my house at the time anyways. So it was <laughs> lots of room for paper and um, put a monitor and a laptop set up there. And yeah, solar panels and batteries to get the power. So yeah, you could just, it's pretty self-contained. It, that that was one of the more interesting things, like learning uh, the, the DIY aspect of 
van nomad lifestyle. Um, cause yeah, it, it pretty much was, uh, two guys who lived in a van and like, maybe they had a little help from their dad, like constructing it all together. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, okay, wh- how can you boil down the basics of life and living and comfort into something that can just get up and go without much, uh, prep and, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like the same, same with the people, the couple that was living on the boat, uh, they, they boiled everything down to, okay, we can live out on the water and like escape from society for a week. Obviously we have to park back at the dock eventually, but like, uh, they, they figured out their system really well. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me about like, wh- what were the places you, where, where did you go? Uh, were you like deliberately looking for, um, inspiration for your next project or was it just kind of something that came about as a result? Like, uh, you know, other than like, it's cool. Like what, what kept you going at that? Um, honestly, it was just mountain bike racing. So there's these race series in Brit- that are all around British Columbia in the summers for it's called like enduro mountain biking so it's kind of a similar format to rally so you just ride your bike all like up a hill and you get timed on the way down so there's these Mm. stages and your cumulative time is how you rank so basically i would just do these race series for i think two or three summers in a row just all around bc and just i was just having the time (laughs) time of life i guess (laughs) um roaming around and working on the week on the weekdays and, and stuff um after that what did we do? I mean, it was just a bunch of random trips, I guess. And then just going, just like going to a town where I had a friend and just staying with them for as long as they'd have me and then moving on. Um, but also we went to um, America, like did a huge trip around America. Um, just a lot of national parks on the, like, I think it's in the West, in the Western part. So like, it's, we didn't go super far East, but ours was like Colorado and, um, and Utah at the time. Oh, Utah. No, I, I've been to uh, Zion National Park. Yeah, Zion. It's so Ooh, pretty. Zion is like carved by the gods, man. Uh, <laughs> there are like rock formations and mountains there that like we drove um, in a van, funny enough. Uh, nice. My family and I uh, up up into the mountains and like very much off the beaten path uh, uh, to the point where like you're on, you're like going through farmland, but like you're a thousand feet in the sky, you know, kind of thing. So it's like the oxygen is low and we didn't see another human being for like three hours just going through this park. And uh, the, the winding Hills were so crazy that like, we actually had to stop the van for like an hour to let the tires cool off. Cause they were getting so hot in the summer heat and everything that like smoke just emanating from them. Oh my and, gosh. and it was just the crit like, wow, this is, I am not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me like, what, what were your favorite places to visit and like, uh, to, to see? Um, I mean, see, I guess it's the plate, maybe the countries. One of my all-time favorites is to, is a place called Tofino on Vancouver Island, which is west of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big surf. It's a big surfing area. So that was one of my favorites. You just <laughs> park the van on the beach, go surf, come back and work, go surf again, and then just go uh, park in the woods. Um, that was nice. But yeah, I guess in Canada, like BC is really pretty. There's lots of mountains and um, cool places to go around. So. That's definitely a favorite. Um, America, yeah, Utah, Colorado, California, or I mean, most of the states I've been to are very pretty. We have spent a lot of time in Arizona, actually. Um, that has some very beautiful desert. Oh yeah, uh, the 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 magic of knowing like, okay, this is the last stop for like four hours in the middle of this desert. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Uh, there, there's a mysticism to that. Let's, uh, yeah. l- let's shift a little bit then into just strictly talking about art of rally. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I, I love the game. Uh, I, I might just go back to playing it right after we're done talking. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> art of rally is this like, really, it's like a, dr- it's a dream, like imagining reimagining of rallies, more dangerous years. Like you, you very deliberately, uh, start with this kind of faux history uh, where in its earliest years, rally racing was this much more dangerous, much less regulated uh, beast. And uh, 
rather than following real history where things got tightened up a bit and um, the the kind of ramshackle culture wasn't um, um, tidied up, uh, you go in the other direction and say like, well, what if what if this stage of rally just continued and uh, everything was fine, like it, it was fine. So wh- what was the, why did you choose to go with that? Was it just the appeal of like, the WWE Attitude Era version of rally racing? Um, maybe it's more of a period of time. Like if the, for, the formative years of anything are maybe more exciting um, in that like they didn't really, it was a very new sport. It's not like soccer, let's say, that's been around for, I don't know, I don't even know, but let's say thousands yeah, of years. Centuries, yeah. <laughs> centuries. This has been around for not, not as long. So, just trying to figure out how to do it and also try to go as fast as possible. Um, so I guess it's a very dangerous and risky business to be in. It's almost like if I can compare it to war, like you're just at the time, like the rate, like the way they built the machines were just like more, um, I don't know, like warplanes, let's say, mm-hmm. like trying to be just very efficient, light, not much safety. Yeah. And then people, there was a big, big chance of like death as well, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think the cars just look super cool. They're just a bit more angular and boxy back then. Like now, they I don't know. They look okay, I guess. But I really like the older older the, style. There's a romanticism to it, right? Like uh, almost like, um, uh, I, I forget what the, like Grand Prix racing where the cars were almost like long tubes uh, as opposed to the very angular, uh, sleek IndyCar and NASCAR of today. Uh, you, you, uh, that's one thing that I appreciate about art of rally is it is very reverent of the history while kind of creating this faux history showing that like, yes, in the, in the late sixties, when rally was like really beginning, people were using cars that like were originally built to like get your groceries in, um, little, like not like Volkswagen beetles, but like very boxy looking cars and, then you jump ahead one like like five years and it's rapidly different and like there's japanese car manufacturers getting in on the business and uh that was actually one i i forget the the fake model name but that was actually one of my favorite cars was the one that sounds like an angry pack of hornets um uh, rotary probably yeah 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 <laughs> and yeah so the what what do you think about like the way that rally cars kind of like yeah have evolved over the decades you know i mean i think it's cool just the styling and the what they did for the cars throughout going throughout the years um the cars were still having lots of changes and also being influenced by other motorsport i guess especially f1 like with the group b and group s cars they were just ridiculous <laughs> the things they did were really unsafe and just crazy um yeah i i think that like the the especially like in the early years there was almost a like illegality to some of it right of like well what can we get away because the whoever is you know regulating this race isn't going to check uh mm-hmm. and what can you get away with like putting putting the engine in the back of the car or something and uh yeah it it, it was like a remarkably more like dangerous and violent time for rally racing like the the funerals and the the injuries were mm-hmm. were notably higher um obviously I, I don't think either of us were like strictly alive for this period of time but um what were kinds of the things that you took away when you like first learned about like how crazy that initial era of rally was i mean it was almost like an obsession maybe i guess racing now like racing drivers now are also similarly like have to just live it and breathe it yeah yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of, I guess it's like a lot of emotions or things that like they take away from it. Like I can only imagine what being like a rally car driver back in those days would have been like. Yeah, it's almost like a fighter pilot. I think. I um, you know what? I I don't actually know this. I I did a basic amount of research, but um, obviously in games like Dirt Rally, you have the voice of the navigator in the okay. side of your ear. You know, saying you know left three, right two, don't cut turn da 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 giving you those advanced instructions 
um, that real rally drivers have. Uh, were were those guys always part of the uh, uh, process of rally racing? Like even in the sixties and early seventies, were were drivers like was it really necessary to have that navigator, uh, or were they kind of doing it on their own? Um, yeah, I think they've always been there. It kind of harkens to the beginning of rally um, when it was kind of. It's, I don't know if you've heard of time speed distance, but it's basically doing these huge drives. Um, I'm trying, I don't know too much about it, but basically from say like London, London to Paris, mm. assuming there's a channel, the, the yeah. channel or a ferry. So basically you need to go in between these two points within this, or at this, trying to get to as close to this average speed as possible. So basically these huge journeys where there'd be a navigator, you'd have to have a navigator with the maps and things. There's no Google maps back then. So just yeah. basically how to actually navigate there. So then it kind of expanded to stage eye, which is going as fast as possible. So that you had to have the navigators who knew the course, who had like previous knowledge of the how the track is how the track looks um, and instructions with it. So yeah, pretty much they've always been there for rally. Yeah, you know, and I think that like we we talk a little bit about the the kinds of people that are attracted to rally racing, both early and and modern. It is it it is like a very it's almost like skateboarding, you know, punk rock DIY culture of you're a gearhead or you're someone who's like obsessed with it because like who who chooses this kind of career uh, and and follows through and develops that skill. And I think one of the things that I also appreciate about Art of Rally is a you have like these little very low polygonal people uh standing on the side of the tracks they're really just like rectangles with a different colored rectangle on top uh and like it's very charming and they will move naturally the closer you get to them you know if you're drifting and it's it reminds me so much of like all that rally racing footage where like some yahoo is on the on the track trying to get that perfect footage or perfect snapshot and like I, I'm sure plenty of people got injured or killed in the process of crazy stuff like that. Uh, that had to have been a conscious thing that you uh, wanted to kind of implement in the game, right? Yeah, for sure. Like the those times, of, those rallies are just—it's like spreading the seas of people. Yeah, <laughs> it was insane. What 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 I like too is that sometimes, even though like most people will get out of the way to preserve their life uh you'll every once in a while one of the little rectangles will kind of like cut across the road to and and i kind of always envision that's the person who's like getting the perfect snapshot or just like wants to tempt fate uh what do you make of like crazy people like that um i mean i think a lot of it was just trying to get the best view because there's so many people you have to see through so many people. So basically you're trying to sit there on the road for as long as you can so you can see the car coming. Yeah. And then maybe if there's a corner you don't see until it's a bit later. Uh, but our, so the crowd was actually made by our developer, Perrin. Pretty late stage, actually. Like I was actually, I was trying to do it on my own, but it would have taken way too long because I was doing everything else mm-hmm. or a lot of other things at the time. So he just came in and did it. So there is like a little option you can tweak. I think it's like bravery or crazy. <laughs> the spectator of the spectators <laughs> Art of, uh, absolute drift was obviously a very stylized game and uh, uh more or less a solo project but uh you had a a bigger group of people working with you on art of rally and um it at what point did you say like okay we've got to go like very stylized with this this like low polygon but still very colorful and evocative like mirror's edge like you mentioned um earlier at what point was that decision made um that yeah the whole art style for art rally was it was almost like a three three to four year like existential um challenge my life almost (laughs) because i was like what do people expect of if that if like the developers of Absolute Drift made a rally game. It's like, what would that look like? So I was always trying to be like, what would that look like? And <laughs> trying to just explore a lot of different directions. And it was a lot of different directions and a lot of learning. But yeah, I guess it was kind of fun. There's a trend of like low poly art style where there's like the trees and the terrain are very angular. So I was following that for a long time. But then I kind of 
we kind of went to a more stylized way where actually like the witness that was a big mm. um yeah that was a big inspiration for the art style. i love that art style just very it's like minimalist nature kind of yeah and it's like you see this stuff in like journey or the pathless last year uh uses like the shapes of nature to like indicate or draw your attention uh to something in the distance and i think that that's what i like of uh you know even though even though my um uh, I, I don't know what's coming up on the next turn. Like, I feel like I'm going through a like white birch forest with the like mm-hmm. dead leafless trees and, um, uh, uh, or going like even gosh, going through, um, I think it's the Finland level where it's a lot of icy lakes and, uh, the, the, the white Norway with the snow, the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the trying to pay attention to where the road is as opposed to the ice, like you get that white out of feeling. Like I, I lived in Illinois, so like I know what it's like to drive through the snow on a blindingly sunny day, and that's kind of what that reminded me of. Of like, oh no, I like everything is white around me, and I need to uh, pay so much more attention to that. Yeah. I don't like what, what, what are you, what was your favorite like level to design and like what felt like the best representation of the, the, the cultures that come together to celebrate rally? I mean, they're all pretty unique in their own way. I had a lot of different, yeah, they're all like a lot. I don't know if I can say they're all my favorite. Uh, I guess Finland's is always like a crowd favorite (laughs) with just like the huge jumps and the pine trees. That was, always super fun to make um in japan was super cool with cherry trees and lots of switchbacks and then germany with those infuriating hinkelsteins which are which are those like concrete barriers on the side oh of the god i hate those so much <laughs> that was my worst time in the entire game uh you know like five minutes on one course or something like that but yeah uh the, part of the part of the like beauty of it is and you know it's it's funny because like it's an indie project. You obviously can't afford to pay Marlboro cigarettes or petrol oil uh, for like sponsorship, you know, like the, the right to use their imagery. So you have stuff like uh, Rito cigarettes uh, mm-hmm. on banners above the stuff and commercialism and, and those kinds of cigarette and oil and beer ads have all, or like energy drink ads now have always been a part of rally culture. Um, why do you think that is? Um, oh, well, in the past, I guess it's just been the sponsors, which also make those liveries for the cars that are just uh, infamous, let's say. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, any any other thoughts on that? Like, I, it, it kind of is like the, the same way that like Monster Energy is built into so many sports brands now or Red Bull, like Red Bull, you know, has its own, sports tournaments like uh it, it, it's any thoughts on like how predominant that those particular brands or types of products have remained in the uh, uh conscious of rally uh let me see well yeah i guess maybe it's the branding is a bit too um what's it called implanted to everyone's minds mm-hmm. now <laughs> Like it seems like if you have like a driver sponsored by Red Bull and Monster, they're super cool and, and famous. Um, but it is like a, just a sugary drink. Or in the past, it was like cigarettes, which are really bad for you, or or booze. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of played out now, I guess. Maybe back in the day, it seemed cooler just because the designs were so iconic. I guess the designs for the energy drink companies today are pretty iconic, but... It's pretty easy to like recognize the Red Bull car. Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, which is like, which is what they want, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, what a, one of the things that we like to hear on the 1099 is the kinds of lessons you learned along the way. And like Art of Rally has been out for a fair while now. Like it's, I'm actually like very late to the party on it, but uh you know you seem to have learned a lot from absolute drift what did you learn from art of rally in the end and like reflecting on it now yeah art of rally was an insane project like it took way too long and just like the amount of stress and 
turmoil this in 2020 was pretty insane. Um, I think a big part was actually getting hiring the developers that we hired um, last year. Uh, that helped so much. Like it was insane. There was like yeah, um, Adrian Perrin, Jacob Friedel, um, we hired on as developers, and then also producer Jer um, last year. So that was like it just made everything so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't have to do every single thing, um, and it actually helped shift the game. So I think. But it also costs more money. So we did basically run out of money, right, um, going into the launch last year, which is super sketchy way to run the company. But we'd be, we'd be like hosting on the revenue from our from absolute drift. Um, yeah, honestly, I guess so many lessons. It was insane. Just, I guess it's just pretty lucky that we were able, it, I was able to work on the game for so long um, without having to stop. How long did it? Uh, how long did it take you guys? Three years. No, so I actually started working on, on it right after I finished Absolute Drift in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we also had to work on, on a big update to Absolute Drift in 2016. So it wasn't all Art of Rally, but yeah, basically just so long. Um, a lot of it was just developing the skills and things like that. Um, I think a lot of it is like the people you work with can really change a project. Um, whether it's like people directly working on the project or people um, outside of it, like a, like the PR company we used, Future Friends was amazing. Like <laughs> they kind of told us how we're supposed to release our game. There <laughs> was a lot of tips, and like just sounding boards for not doing dumb things. Oh, so like uh, media training in a way, or like here's here's how to promote your game beyond like Twitter, you know? Yeah, and how to have like a site like a I guess production was a big weak point of mine. Um, that's why having more producers has been super helpful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess lesson. There's just been so many, so many things learned throughout this whole thing. Probably don't. It was a big risk to work on something for like just five years um, in case it was didn't go the way I planned to. I guess it wouldn't feel super good. Let's say. Um, so I didn't have a. I don't know if I had a backup plan either. It was just a crazy way of development, like super foolish and yeah. sketchy. <laughs> it's the it's the best kind of experience, the one that you're like skinning your teeth, but damn it, I learned something from it. Yeah. Yeah. I um I, you know, I and I think that like you, you do hear about so many indie games and even triple a games that like come and go without much fanfare and it it does always kind of break your heart uh when something like that happens because you know no matter how big the game is that like there's a team of people who really put a lot of themselves into it uh Mm -hmm. their personal identity their their experiences their love and passion you know if it's something particular like a rally racing game or a a game about a certain thematic topic and um, it's always good to see like when a, a community really latches onto that. Did, um, you mentioned before that, like one of your rally teachers actually played absolute drift and like you, you connected over that. Uh, have you gotten any like interesting feedback or reception from, uh, actual rally community folks? And, uh, have you learned anything from them directly? Um, let me see. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess a lot of reviews or random emails that we get um, or feedback. Yeah, some of the people do play rally. So some of them are like, I play rap, like um, I do a bit of rally racing and stuff. I really like this game. Other people are like, this this is terrible. It does not feel good at all. Keeps, keeps you honest, I guess. Yeah, but one of our old, one of the old Dirtfish uh, rally instructors actually pinged us a while back about the game. They were pretty happy with it, so that, that felt good. There you go, uh, Dirtfish tested, mother approved. Yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah, honestly, handling for rally games is super subjective. Like, uh, a lot of people just bounce off it um, because it's not. It's more more of like in, in the simulation territory. Yeah. So a lot of people who are who play a lot of simulation racing and rally games, they almost find it like a chill out like a more easier version of what they like to play. So you can kind of let your brain rest a little, but people more used to arcade will have a much harder time. With the game. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed playing dirt rally too. And I even did it like in VR. So it was a very, you know, cool awesome. all encompassing experience, but 
it was a level too far for me in terms of realism and and monitoring the state of your car and everything like that and that, that's what i appreciate about art of rally is like it's still very reverent uh of of the real reality of rally racing uh but it is infinitely more accessible than a much more strictly realistic uh simulator um which i think like helps you know like now uh, th- a couple days after like starting to play it last week i actually just started watching some rally videos on youtube and like watching you know po- point of view cameras of guys uh uh driving through like crazy irish courses and whatnot and it it reminded me that like oh yeah this is like I don't care for indie racing. I don't care for NASCAR, uh, maybe a few other kinds of racing life, but rally is, uh, something special to me and at least on a casual basis. And, uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the decision to make it more accessible. Uh, was that always kind of a goal in mind? I guess accessible is, Depends on the point of view. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's still like, yeah, it's more accessible than a, like a straight up rally game or a simulation rally game. I think it's still pretty difficult, mm. but yeah, I don't know. I guess just absolute drift plus rally. That's what I was trying to make. Yeah. I definitely want, like, I think we ref- the handling is a lot more refined than absolute drift. I learned a lot from just about car handling in general from making that game and like a couple of um, things, a bunch of things that were done differently. Yeah, I don't know. I guess just something you can sit down and play with your controller. Um, it, the more intense route, uh, racing games are better with the wheel system, but it is a bit bulky. And um, my friend actually broke my shifter on mine, so <laughs> I <didn't> really have. <laughs> so maybe it's good he broke it, but yeah, to get like the real, and then you have to have like with the super narrow road, narrow roads of the simulation games, like you do have to have that very. In- a very small intricate steering from a steering wheel to have the best the best time with it but with the gamepad it's a bit more sloppy and um also the roads are a bit wider in Arden valley so there's a bit more wiggle room awesome yeah just something i guess you can sit down not get too angry at it um Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I think anger and fear is is a quintessential part of rally racing. Of like, I, when I nail a turn, I my partner will attest to this. I am going like, ooh yeah, but like, of course, when I you know crash way more often, I'm like, shit, damn, damn. Uh, <laughs> but that that's just the give and take of that. Um, well, yeah. So, cl- kind of closing thoughts here you uh you put art of rally out a while ago and are you kind of focusing on uh building more on the game or do you have something kind of far off in the future that you're focused on what's what's next for you so short term we are working on a new location um that's unannounced so that will be announced pretty soon so yeah basically there's five locations in the game now there's gonna be six um we are gonna be adding more locations after that as well Mm -hmm. um what else another yeah a few unannounced things with the game as well um but yeah at some point it would be good to go on a new project um actually if you beat art of rally there is a little hint about a new project (laughs) but that's all i can say (laughs) okay i'll definitely be looking for that then (laughs) but yeah hopefully just keep making games um it's it's fun the people we work with are super good too so and also the fan base and the community that we have is uh been super nice to work with them it's been really nice to see on twitter like the the number of people like the the photo mode in this game like it's obviously uh, built on the foundation of like the game itself is very pretty and stylized but Mm -hmm. like i i found myself enjoying the photo mode and putting my own like self-expression on that and saying like you know okay I'm, i'm gonna take this turn like this and get this kind of shot like play play racing the course in the interest of photography rather than uh strictly timing um but yeah dune i want to thank you so much for taking so much time out of your day to talk to us about art of rally absolute drift and game design and whatnot uh i i am definitely going back to the game immediately after this conversation Mm -hmm. to chill out before dinner um where can people find art of rally and fun selector uh, your company and uh, follow you guys if they're interested in more. 
I'm trying to figure out our social media stuff. I think we have we have a website called funsucker.com. So it's like F-U-N-S-E-L-E-K-T-O-R, mm-hmm. which is spelled really weird. Um, and then we have the Twitter and Reddit community and a big, big Discord community too. Yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome being on the show. Um, just super fun to talk to you. And also about how you kind of inspired me. One of the inspirations <laughs> for actually jumping in the van. <laughs> I... So if I just felt full circle when I first saw your email. I was super excited. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Like I, I, I'm, I'm honored and also a little concerned. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I have power. Uh, like I influence. I'm an influencer yeah. now. I think. Influencer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With with no uh, sponsorship money necessary, I'll influence your life. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Yeah. And we'll make sure to, uh, folks, if you're interested in more, I will include uh, the, all the appropriate links in the uh, show notes, uh, to find more stuff from fun selector, art of rally, absolute drift. Uh, the, the Zen edition of absolute drift is really interesting. And I think you can still get it on Epic games for free right now. Uh, so well, actually it, just, it was just a one week promo. So oh, one week uh, promo. Okay. Yeah. Never mind then. Uh, you should pay for it anyway. Uh, and yeah, folks, you can find the 1099 podcast at the 1099 podcast on Twitter. And you can find me at Joseph Noop. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. And uh, make sure to leave a review, rate the show. That helps us climb the charts. And yeah, we will be uh, trying to keep consistent here with guests and we hope you enjoyed the conversation stay safe and we will see you next time dune thank you yep thank you so much Joseph.